0: priorities you make the time for the things that you most want to do yes
1: exactly. and reading is is, is absolutely and i think a necessity i don't know i really do in in mental health
2: if, <laughs> Writing... if i didn't have fictional worlds to escape in i know that i would not be able to function in the real world as well as i do Right, exactly.
0: You need that escape element. And for the authors, the escape is writing the books and diving into a world you create. And for readers and authors or readers, too, it's escaping Mm -hmm. into somebody else's world and kind of
2: taking a break, letting go of the
0: reins, and enjoying the trip. Oh,
1: absolutely.
2: It's totally that. You know, I find that when I'm writing and creating, I've I've come to realize that I can only reside in one fictional world at a time and function well. So when I'm deep into the creative process, I have to stop reading fiction, and and start reading nonfiction. And so I have to binge write and then binge read to catch up with all the things I could do. Otherwise, I'm afraid the fictional story I'm reading is going to bleed over into the one I'm writing, which <laughs> would not be good.
0: We touched on that last week too about cool. trying to change gears, especially if you're writing like from multiple points of view or multiple stories. And and some people are really good at it, Jane. Mm-hmm. and other people need to have
1: one at a time focus.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I used to I used to have the linear fashion of focus. I really used to but since I wrote with you and you taught me, you know, the the out of order books, write a scene, get to the other one, write a scene, it sort of expanded <laughs> my brain a little bit. <laughs>
0: I, I had to do that, though, because I was yeah. running into the uh, the problem of writer's block where you hit the yeah. wall and you can't figure out how to get over it. Yeah. And that stalls your story out. Yeah. And and I was stubborn. I didn't want to, like, not finish that scene. I felt like yeah. I had to finish the scene and I couldn't move forward. And it was stalling the book's process. Right. And when I gave in and went, you know what, we're going to put a pin in it. We're going to go jump to another scene that I do know what is going to happen mm-hmm. and just finish it from there. I found that by the end. I will bridge the gap. I will find the way to get over that wall yep. after I've, I've given it enough time to marinate.
1: Oh yeah. And it was,
0: I, it was not intuitive for me at all. Cause I'm very linear.
2: Yeah. It, it, was it doesn't sound like an intuitive thing for me. It, it sounds like something that would be really not consistent with my process, but I also know that over time my process changes. And yes. so it may become consistent in the future. Uh, yeah. so it's always good to try new stuff and see if it works for you and every book needs a little bit different process too so sometimes yep. um what doesn't work for one book will work for another
0: and and the reason it worked for for us when we did our co- re- co-writing is you always had the answer in that gap yep. so when i hopscotched you had the answer and then you hopscotched to the next gap you and had, had the answer, answer and it was yep. it was
1: a really good match yes <laughs> And, and you know, now that I'm, you know, when I'm writing on my own, I've learned to to, to take that and, and work it in. If I'm stuck here and I know I have a scene, I'll jump to it and know I can fill the gap. It's it's made my writing faster, which. What? <laughs> you already wrote too fast.
2: <laughs> for, for some of those, for me, if there's a scene that I really want to get to where I know there's something pivotal that has to happen. Mm hmm that's my reward for getting through the hard stuff that I'm stuck on. So I kind of dangle that out there going, you get to write that cool scene that's been marinating in your mind. Mm. And also I have a really good trusted brainstorming friend that I'll call when I'm stuck. And she's guaranteed to come up with an out of the box idea in the middle of nowhere, that's going to make an awesome scene that fits in the book and and gives me that nudge in the right direction.
0: Absolutely, we got to touch on that point again here in a little bit, but we should, open the show up, introduce ourselves to our audience again. So for those who have been watching already, you know, this is Spilling Ink, where the show that takes you behind the book to meet the authors and professionals in the publishing industry. I am Katie Salaitis and Jane is with me as always. Hey Jane, how are we doing? I'm doing good. It's Saturday night. All smiles, right? All smiles. Yes. (laughs) And And we have a returning guest too.
1: Yep, good. Sorry,
0: sorry, didn't mean to talk over you. But, okay, back on track here. See, without (laughs) Jay, it's easier to stay on track, but I miss Jay. I know. (laughs) Anyways, anyways, back on track. So, Kelly, you were with us last season, and you were introducing us to your wonderful Cat Mysteries, and this time you've got a whole new series that
2: you've been working on. Absolutely. And um, I'm so delighted to be back here because the Spilling Ink staff and audience are just the most fun people on earth. I had a wonderful time here, got over my stage fright pretty easy. And um, so I'm glad to be back. Uh, What I'm introducing today, what I'm sharing with your listeners is that uh, I actually started learning my craft in the romance arena. And my heart has been there for a long time. And in the uh, mysteries Uh, Because I have a right brain, left brain kind of balance, and because I'm a scientist by day, the mysteries are fun to write since they have the science characters and the poisons and the technical stuff. Uh, But the romances are fun for different reasons. And so I'm delighted to be back introducing a series of romance novels that uh, I envisioned a, a while ago and have been playing with. It's called the Riches and Royals series. And the first book is Read My Lips which features a dyslexic billionaire and the literacy teacher who helps him overcome his challenges.
0: Ooh, I love that little Ooh. play on words too, read my lips.
2: Yeah, I, nice. I have to thank my agent for that. She came up with that uh, wonderful idea and it was it was pretty fun. So now, on, now, go ahead, go ahead. I, early on when I started with this idea, of course I, I love the billionaire romance, the Cinderella theme that goes out on, Uh, So many stories because it feels larger than life and kind of not something we can experience anywhere other than in a book. And yet all those dynamics of the rich and the famous are all brought down to equal footing when you fall in love with somebody. So I like that trope and I enjoy playing with it. So I envisioned a, a billionaire, but I gave him a disability in that he was dyslexic and that was a challenge for him. And I was busy thinking about what, how did he make the billions if, if he had this issue that he had to work around. Uh, and so many people have dyslexia and have to work around that issue in their day jobs. And now it's not as uh, difficult as it used to be. But there was a time when people felt they really had to hide that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. So That's I was really cool. on um, an airplane riding home from a conference. And I had decided that he has to make his money in the, the food industry somehow. So I turned to a stranger and I said, can you please tell me what your favorite junk food is? And she said it would have to be chocolate sauce, but only over vanilla ice cream. (laughs) And so I sat and I mauled and I thought chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. And I came up with the line fantasy fudge. The stuff dreams are made of. And He created the fantasy fudge uh, chocolate empire. And this is how I gave my billionaire his billions. And, um, I used that, that tagline in the book to create an advertising campaign that my heroine worked on. And then she was betrayed by her supervisor who stole her campaign and shuttled her off to this charity arm to teach literacy because he wanted to take her ideas and run with them. And they're the cornerstone of of something that's going to make my um, main character highly visible in a way that he's not used to doing. So. You've got a
0: great villain. You've got a a great secondary and primary character. It it sounds like the makings of a really fun romance. Yes.
2: It it was so much fun to write. And and the research, of course, was a lot of fun because I used it to write off a tour of a cacao plantation in Maui. (laughs) I didn't write off the trip to Maui. I couldn't justify that. But the cacao plantation, I could justify. And I actually got to taste the fruit of the cocoa pod as Ooh. well as some roasted beans that we turned into Mexican-style hot chocolate oh. um, with the caveat that we have this North American love of sweetness. So we did add a little bit of sugar to it, but it was delightful. <laughs> and I actually have a video up on my YouTube channel talking about that research and some of the other things that I learned in my journey as I was researching my chocolate chocolatier
0: love that. I love when you can use something you truly just want to do as part of your research and then it's a write off for your for your business.
2: (laughs) So, So I have to tell you this story of when I decided that at one point in the book, the hero is going to make a special chocolate for the heroine. And so I wanted it to be a chocolate that would taste good if you found it in real life. So somewhere along the line, I had decided I needed to train myself to taste different varieties of chocolate. And so I got one of the, I don't know if you remember them, but there used to be these big round plates that your mother had that they would put deviled eggs in these individual wells. Mm -hmm. So I would put several kinds of cocoa powder processed in different ways in these wells and several kinds of other things that I thought might complement it. And I sat there for a couple of days tasting all these different cocoa powders until I could differentiate Dutch processed cocoa versus non-Dutch processed cocoa by taste. And then I started mixing them with some of the other things and tasting them. And I said, yeah, I think this will work together. So one night, my husband, who was working nights at the time, came home from work and I was melting um, semi-sweet Hershey's Kisses in the microwave and stirring in the spices that I wanted to make sure that this flavor combination would work. And of course, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing. He said, well, it looks like you're playing with the microwave.
1: Yep. Well,
2: yep. it's for writing. So chase this. <laughs> right.
1: research. Practical research. research. Yeah, I keep I keep laughing with my husband. Maybe I'll write a write a book about snowmobiles <laughs> I can write off our snowmobiles.
2: You can at least put a snowmobile scene in a pivotal. Yeah, okay, I'm going the romance way. And then they fall off and they end up in the snow and there's a hot kiss and they discover blah, blah, blah. It's super pivotal and I had to do this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) An an author friend of mine um, who was coming up through the ranks faster than I was at the time and, and has done super well with her career, but she was meticulous about her research. And she, to the point where she did some nonfiction about how parents want to protect their children. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to use the image uh, of balancing everything in your life with a tightrope walking. Mm-hmm. So she went to the Flying Melendez family and she took a tightrope walking class wow. and learned to walk a tightrope and learned the difference between a tightrope and high wire. Um, and some of the stories that she told that she then used in the book were that if you're on a high wire, they, that family would never use a net. Because your brain would say, hey, there's a safety net down there. If I'm sleeping on the job, you're not going to die. She said, Mm -hmm. if the net's not there, your brain will do anything it can to save your life. And so they felt it was safer to work without the net. And for those of us that have the day job and the writing job trying to make it work, I wonder if that means I need to get rid of a safety net someday.
0: The, the, The loss of a safety net does tend to make you do things you might not have considered doing to survive. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, eight months.
0: <laughs> you are counting it down. You have been counting it down since what, three, four years ago you
1: started?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm counting down too, but I keep adding on to the countdown because things happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, so husband,
1: it, my husband turns 55 in eight months. And that's when he wants out of corporate America. Okay. So, well, and giving yourself I, a goal too, is going to also yeah. work
0: like that safety net, you know, you know, at the end you're taking that away. So you're going to have to set
1: yourself up so that you don't fall. Yep. Yeah. And he's, he's younger than me. So, mm-hmm.
2: well, <laughs> but, I, I had been, um, trying to retire earlier and trying to do everything on, um, the book area and try to see if that would become my main source of income. And mm-hmm. we, we have a ways to go yet, but we are marching forward and going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I have actually had a couple of events where I broke even. and I think that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, <laughs> and they both awesome. traveled, so that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, having the creative spirit in the day job, uh, an idea that I came up with and my boss jumped on board and several of us started working together it actually got granted a patent and now I want to see that come to fruition in the Yay. real world before I leave because it's uh something that I think is going to make a huge awesome. impact on that industry so uh that jazz is my creative spurs too so I
1: mm-hmm.
2: guess I'll stay with the day job exactly. for a
1: while It's like hey. and I'll balance
2: between the two as I need to yep
1: Exactly, <laughs> well, and if your job you have something
0: fulfilling too, it it's not as much of a hardship as you know. If you've got the soul sucking desk job that you're really not doing much with or doesn't excite you at all, then it becomes like mm-hmm. a countdown to the end. Come on now,
1: right? Yeah, or or you're supposed to be working forty hours and you work like hundred and sixty a week. Oh, God, <laughs> I am I am that's so fortunate that
2: these two <laughs> things feed each other for me yeah. at the moment. So that's really pretty great. Yeah. Yeah but
0: all right so back to the book series so the first yes. one is out
2: yes it came out on um there we go there it is in real life but you so saw pretty. It, the, it came out on september the 7th Ooh. and i'm hoping that it finds its readers uh and the next one is planned to come out about january okay um so I called it Riches and Royal series because I have the, the royal families coming up next. Uh, my prince makes a debut in this book. Um, I created an island kingdom to carry on the rest of the series. Nice. And um, so my prince comes undercover to solve a mystery, of course, uh, related to something in his homeland and finds a young woman who was the heroine's best friend from book one. And they go on and find their happily ever after. Uh, after that, the that's titled uh, royally scandalized.
0: Ooh, Ooh, good title.
2: Because she good makes title. she makes a scandal. Of course, she's not the person he's supposed <laughs> to marry. Uh, and then I move forward with her younger sister and his younger brother, and we call that one reluctantly royal. And I I'm working really hard on the dedication for this one uh, because I created. You know, we take things from real life and we create. And so I created <laughs> an age gap between these two sisters. And a pivotal life event that caused them to drift apart, okay. and so as much as this series is a romance, it's also a story about these sisters coming back together. Mm-hmm. And uh, my own sister is twelve years older than I am, and so some of those scenes, I just see the bits and pieces of our life that went into the creation of this. We we didn't have the conflict they did, but I see that, and I just love it so much, and so. I want to make sure that there's a way to dedicate that book to her, but I have to verbalize how exactly that all works out so I can tell the readers without a spoiler. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the last book in the series is called Counterfeit Commoner, where the woman who was supposed to marry the, the prince runs away from her minor royal duties and tries to escape to her own life. And it's kind of like if, if you're a fan of old movies... It is like Roman Holiday or It Happened One Night. It's got that characteristic. The person that she meets and falls for, uh, when she meets him, he's running his family's pub in Colorado. But in his prior life, he was the tabloid journalist that made her life miserable. And so there's this tabloid journalist and his antics running through everything. And he gets his redemption in book three or Mm. four. I, I so, got to
0: say, I love the titles. The, the concepts are great, too, but your titles are just perfect.
2: I, I like titles. I like starting with titles sometimes. <gasps> Those are the hardest um, things. Oh. They are hard. Uh, but But, you know, they kind of encapsulate everything that I want to say. So, well, yeah. thank you for that.
0: Very spot on. I just, I love them. They're easy. They're, they're something that's easily searchable because let's face it, that's important when it comes to mm-hmm. looking right. for a book. You got to make it easy. Mm-hmm. Don't have weird words that people can't spell because they're yeah. never going to find your book. Right. <laughs> and, and it does, it conveys a message very quickly to what it yeah. could be about. And that does intrigue the, the readers. So that's, I love it. I love it. So, awesome. what was the schedule again? So, you have the first one came out in September, the next one's out in January.
2: And then we'll probably do June and and September October again. We'll probably do four okay. to six months between the books. That's okay. a good schedule. Um, so okay. that okay. so that readers don't have to wait too long, but it gives me time to ramp up marketing and hopefully by the time the fourth book in the series comes out, I will have enough work done on book five that I can move ahead with it. Mm-hmm. when I was working with my beta reader for reading all of these things, it was funny. At one point she said, when are you going to write the book for that handsome guy? And I said, you know, which handsome guy? <laughs> you know, that one you talked about. And, and although I didn't really describe the next hero that much, in her mind, he's the handsome guy that she's waiting for. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have a couple more stories that I need to create for the series that are queued up in my mind. And then we'll see uh, what the readers think and where it goes from there
0: i love it i love it so you've got (laughs) readers that are already loving the characters even if you haven't fleshed them out yet because they haven't got to their story that's that's a sign of a good story when your readers are already saying i need this i need this tell me when this is happening exactly now
2: now now we just need to find about uh a thousand more readers that want that to tell a thousand of their friends and yeah that's just timing
0: the the marketing really is the hardest part i mean writing yes it's time consuming But when it comes to getting people to see that the story is out there, there is such a glut of books that are published daily. Mm -hmm. It's it's really, you know, you're, you're already starting from a sinking position. So you have to do whatever you can in order to get your book in front of readers faces, because the 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 idea of they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends, you know, that old commercial. Right, right. It it works eventually if enough people see it it. and appreciate it, but you've got to get those people to see it first so that it can start building that momentum. Absolutely. I
2: I have to remind myself all the time that this is like uh, chipping away at a glacier hoping to start an avalanche. And I don't know which chip is going to start that avalanche, but if I keep working at it, chances get better and better that one of those is going to start something. And Good. so we're just moving forward. And I, I actually held back on this series until I had um, four books in the mystery series and three short stories. So I had seven books or offerings in that story world before I jumped to another world. Mm-hmm. And I'll stick with this particular world, trying to build it to a, a place where it can start its own snowballs. Um, right, what- yeah,
0: I've got an interesting topic I want to bring up because I have right, worked I'm with sorry. you behind the scenes just a little bit so when we last talked we were talking about the cat series and the covers that were chosen for that were perfect for the genre they were mm-hmm. very fun they were playful it, it worked very well for the genre but then when you switched over to the romance the expectations of what you could put on the cover changed changed drastically so how did you approach that because your covers are beautiful and i know they're not the original ones
2: well that's uh, thank you for bringing that up. It's a great topic and it's fun to discuss. but um, so there was a lot of brainstorming going into covers and I know myself well enough to know that I'm not a visual expert. and I can't uh, we can't all be equally good at everything. One I, I, more believe pun, I write
0: louder for the people in the back.
2: <laughs> yeah, we can't all be equally good at everything. I know I write a good story and that's where I need to spend my time. Where I need to spend my money is with people who understand cover art. Now, fortunately, you know, I had had worked with someone and we were developing it. And this was a a newer cover art designer who was um, starting from scratch. And so we came up with some cover ideas. uh, But then for this series, because I really want to give it a good chance, I put my money where my mouth is, as it were, and I hired a publicity firm. And they said, we've got some designers and those designers have been working with uh, traditional publishers, et cetera, and have leads in that part of the industry. And so they understand how trends are going now. And so they mocked up some ideas based on what I told them. And um, I think Katie remembers this part of this story too. They sent me the first mock-ups and they were super excited about it. I opened the email and I was horrified it was it was it was it was as if they didn't read anything so I I, I took the weekend I talked to people I trusted and I said oh my god what am I going to do with this Um, and then I sat down and I went through and I I tried I felt like I was being bitchy but I had to be straightforward yeah and i put together a powerpoint i said here's what you've shown me here are the subliminal messages that i have in my mind when i see this and here is what the book is supposed to be about so the original cover for this one um they had let me hold that right there we go they had taken a person eating a chocolate bar and they'd used a heavy palette knife sort of impressionist not impressionistic uh, uh, a heavy artistic style to render it and And it was uh, one thing that everybody said to me is that woman's lipstick is smeared (laughs) and they had these smeary lips and other things. So, um, I came back and I said, when I see this, I see something angsty. I see something that I think might be about a person entering rehab because they have an addiction or something. And I write fun and flirty and I don't think that fits. Here's a disconnect. Uh, And I went through each thing, and I found some of the examples they sent me. I said, "Now this element gets very close to what I want. Here's something I think we could work with. Here's not only saying these don't work, but here's why they don't." And then I reiterated, "We want to capture fun. We want to capture flirty, and so if we can do that, let's do that." And that led to the covers that we have. Um, It actually led because
0: very good in comparison to where you started, what they offered, and and where you are now. Yeah.
2: So for, for those of you newer, working with someone professional, please don't be afraid to tell them what works, what doesn't work, and why. Yeah. After I sent this off, I had this trepidation that they're going to go up there. Now they're going to give me crappy covers because they hate my feedback. But I was thanked profusely for my detailed feedback because it helped them get to where they needed to be. And so we have to be uh, stand up for ourselves and make sure that we let the professionals we work with know when they're going in a good direction or not. I may not be a visual person, I couldn't paint a cover to save my life, but I know what resonates with me and I know what subtexts do and I I know how to verbalize that. And I think working in an industrial day job where I have to do that routinely, that helped me formulate that as well.
1: Absolutely. A
0: major difference too is you provided constructive criticism. Yeah, You didn't just say, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. This doesn't resonate with me because this. You gave them the reasoning behind it in a very respectful way, which it, it keeps the, the the relationship between, you know, the uh, the client and the artist in good standing because artists aren't mind readers. Right. So if, they if, they, if they poured understand... their heart into
2: doing something they were very proud of. Yeah, it just was wrong for this product. It's like um yeah. wrapping a chocolate bar in something that has pictures of fruit all over it or something, right. you know. <laughs> it, it it looks like a sweetheart wrapper and you open it up and you get a chocolate bar, you're not going to be happy. Oh, and that's the worst. I mean, you take
0: a yeah. bite of something and you expect one thing and you get the other. Ah. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah.
1: It's like the ice cream. I told you about that.
2: <laughs> I went the I got, ice cream
1: story. I got I got uh, there's a A really good ice cream place in in York Beach called Dunn's and they do I got hand-packed ice cream for the first time and because I saw it and I'm like oh it's actually less than you know some of the other things on their thing so I'm just going to get hand-packed and we can have Sundays at home and I I got I ordered mint Oreo I got home and I pulled off the top and it was regular Oreo cookies and cream Oreo not mint Oreo well, the cookies and cream is really good. It was not what I wanted. Right. <laughs> and and this, this translates very well to the story because it's like, you have to be, I wasn't, I didn't go back and tell them. I ate the, I ate the other ones and, and salt. <laughs> <laughs> as would
2: I, as would I. Yep. I um, probably would have searched for mint extract in the cupboard and stirred it in and created I, a mess, I, but you know. <laughs>
0: One drop too much of the though, and you ruin it.
2: Yeah. Yep, yep. I didn't say I would
1: succeed. I said I would try it. Um, but, you know, you absolutely do have to say something. You know, when you get something that's not quite right, especially if you know what's off and why, like you said, it, it does help. You know, the cover that I showed you before uh, we went live, that one, the hook on it, was, was dark and you couldn't see it. And I, I went back, I said, can we make it brighter so we can see it in the title? And it, 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 you know, she said, absolutely. I said, cause you know, if you look at this in a smaller thing, you cannot see it at all. It just looks like something's wrong with the letters. Cause it was, you know, hooked around the letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, and,
2: and as, as authors, all of that speaks to branding. Yes. That is so critical for people to recognize our books wherever they see them yeah and know that this story is going to be consistent throughout you know Mm -hmm. and um it's interesting it helps you find your audience if you have the right cover
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely cover is very important it's the first thing that people see no and within the cover there's different elements there's the title Mm -hmm. there's the author name there's the visual imagery the color mm-hmm. tones that are chosen convey mm-hmm. specific, you know, feelings because we 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 associate colors with feelings. Yes. So certain colors are not good to use because they might create a negative feeling. Certain colors mm-hmm. are excellent to use because they're more widely um, appreciated. So yeah, right. the cover has so many important elements, which is why you've got to find somebody who not only knows graphic design but also knows the genre. Yes. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. 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 Uh, and, and if they're not well versed enough to understand the audience they're trying to capture, they won't capture that audience as effectively. So that's important, too.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. not a, No good cover.
2: Then they're not even going to read your blurb. So well, and, and the purpose of the cover, no matter how beautiful, is to get them to read the blurb. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the blurb is to get them to open to chapter one, the purpose of the first few paragraphs in chapter one is to make them decide they want to read the rest of the book. Absolutely. And beginnings are so difficult. And those back cover blurbs are incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, so I taught a class once to, um, I just came in as a guest speaker, and they were kids learning to write their resumes, among other things. And I said, think of your life experience like a book. There's a ton of stuff in your life experience. Now you're going to have to distill that down to a query letter, which hits the highlights of why you're good and why this book is good. And then you're going to have to turn it into an elevator pitch or two or three lines or, or blurb. Uh, I think I use those almost interchangeably that direct people to ask more questions. And it's hard to take a large volume of anything, be it a life experience or a book and turn it into A sales pitch, yeah, basically, a sales pitch, which is is, basically what it
0: is. That is, I think, the bane of most authors' existence is that distilling down becomes Mm -hmm. so hard because we slaved over, (laughs) let's say, 80,000 words, yeah, slaved over them, we
1: perfected them. Mm -hmm. Now we have 250 words. And honestly, yeah, (laughs) honestly, in my life, I've only bought one book based on the cover. Alone, without anything else, I one-clicked based on the cover. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I one-clicked what was the person book? based on the cover.
1: One Pestilence Pens- uh, by Laura. Th- yep, yeah, so Laura Thasila. Thank you yeah. for I. Yeah. I always screw up her name. <laughs> 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 yes, and and it lived up to the cover, and it was horrible. Well, that's awesome. Cover, not not the not the the one she had to replace it with, but yes, that that one I saw the cover. And I immediately bought it. And that's the first time I've ever done that. And and now I might be more inclined to because it lived up to it.
2: <laughs> but, you know, back to Katie's point about how many books come out every single year yeah. or every yeah. day. Um, so since, since uh, my agent directed me over to doing the self-publishing, it's been really challenging. And um, I know that there are many, many people out there with the self-publishing. The problem mm-hmm. is that there are many people who haven't studied their craft well enough to create really strong stories. Mm-hmm. And as a person that's relatively unknown, you're competing with that volume and nobody knows that you are the one person that, you know, one, there are a lot of us, but but nobody knows if you're the one that's just starting out and throwing spaghetti against the wall or if you've slaved over this because you've been working at your craft for decades and you understand how to craft a story Mm -hmm. and and raising above that is a constant battle um and there's still the perception among some people that if you aren't picked up by a major publisher you can't be good yeah people i've learned uh in several circles that people's idea of major publisher Mm -hmm are not always the same as mine. Mine was the big five, which was four. I, I don't know how many there are. Left. Yeah, four now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and there's a lot of imprints and small presses that are associated with those big ones as well. Yeah. So. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. And, and so many people think that unless you are with them, you're not worth trying. And it, it's so professional packaging, professional editing, professional everything helps you present uh, more effectively and may help you tip that scale. Mm -hmm. And
0: that's one of the reasons self-publishing has become a lot more legitimized is we've learned over the years how to do it. We've found the resources. And a lot of us indies, we tend to share what we know that works. Right. That sharing of information and sharing of, hey, this freelancer here, this cover artist here, that builds the system up for us. And we produce better for cheaper, which brings the cost of the book down so that the reader gets a – a lot cheaper book but it's not cheaper in quality right
2: it's um i find that the indie community is is hugely affirming and i i will say that many of the genre authors i know indie or not are always helpful with one another there are very few um even those with large publishers who don't understand that you work darn hard and there's a luck factor etc 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 um so i i love that and i try to give back to that as often as i can uh, in fact, one of the things I'm developing right now is uh, another class. I've had really good times this year teaching writing classes online, which has, has been quite fun. Uh, started Ooh. with a poison class. Uh, ta- oh, it was I even had homework and videos. everybody loved it. And then we did a class on writing action scenes from a, a martial artist point of view. Nice. And cool. uh, So the, the next one that I want to develop, Oh, I thought somebody was behind me.
1: Well, <laughs> my husband just came
2: in. <laughs> he freaked me out. Uh, I <laughs> was so sucked into your story world. I forgot my own. Um But anyway, the next class that I want to teach, and I hope that we can get a lot more indie authors um get this to them is on what I've been calling self mentoring. Oh. And basically it talks about understanding. Yeah how the learning process works when you're learning new tasks,
0: uh-huh.
2: understanding what you need in a mentor, and how to break down the steps of what you're doing, and then finding the appropriate mentors to give you what you need.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like some life skills okay. that I think uh, would definitely be worth
2: learning, right? <laughs> yes. it, it, it's helped me. Um, I mean, let's go back to this cover design issue. I had to say, you know, what do I need to learn about a cover designer? Who do I know that designs covers? Who do I know I can talk to? And so Katie was one of the people I talked to when I was in the middle of the angst and said, what advice um, do you have to share there? And and so knowing what I needed from a mentor there and and knowing who to look for, broadened it and made it easier for me to produce that part or to to manage the production of that part. You were a project
0: manager at that point, yeah. Yes,
2: you were all project managers of our uh, releases. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you delegate things and sometimes you do them yourself. Right.
2: Right. And sometimes you need somebody who's going to say, look, I'm not going to cheer you on, but here's a 10 point list. When you've done all these 10 points, come back to me and I'll give you the next 10. And -hmm. then eventually you need somebody who says, hey, you can do it. And eventually you grow out of the need for those mentors at all. Mm -hmm. And then you have to learn a new skill and you start all over again at step one. And that's fine. That's just the way we learn. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean we're constantly learning. And and when you're talking about the the book industry, it is constantly changing and evolving. Uh not just the the different um fads that come in for the you know the cover art. That's that's something that comes and goes. It's cyclical. Certain fads yeah. come in for covers and then they go out and then they cartoon covers are back. gonna be back any day now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you constantly have to learn what the market trends are for the genre that you write. You need to apply those when you're putting out books. If you've got a book series that's been out for years and it's time for a cover refresh, guess what? You got to go back to square one and look at the current trends because Mm -hmm. that guaranteed will change from the time you originally published it. Yes. So (laughs) there's a constant learning and evolving growing in in just the book publishing side.
2: And, and, that's part of what keeps us fresh though and energized we don't get stagnant because we can't afford to we always have to move forward on that (laughs) right
0: no sleeping on anything
2: (laughs) you know uh, so you know we're all creatives and we do weird creative stuff so I'm gonna uh, share with all of the listeners some of the weird creative stuff I did when I was working on this book series Uh, so as a kid you know I always liked fairy tales and when I outgrew those or felt I outgrew them I kind of morphed into mythology and then I eventually found romance which is Really, face it the same thing. So, uh, among other things, as I was reading, I was also a big Tolkien fan. So, you know, I'd go hang out in Middle Earth once a year and relive that journey because it was really cool. So, when I came to creating my um, kingdom for this uh, particular book series, um, first of all, I went off on a weird and wild idea. I decided I wanted it set in a Caribbean island. But I like the mythology feature. So it's set in a Caribbean island that was settled by exiled Greek royalty. Ooh. And so they I, I mixed Greek and Caribbean. And then just for fun, I threw in Polynesian influences because I could. Huh? And, and by the time book three in the series, um, Reluctantly Royal, came along, I had to have, Well, it started with book two. I wanted a word in the native language that met both um, sweetheart and soulmate depending on how it was used. And I went to friends who were language experts and they gave me lots of advice. And then one day my husband was just playing around with some silly endearments that we had for one another and we popped out the perfect word. So um, Hona was the root of that word like honey, right? So er air Hona my means my sweetheart or the one I have lust for because air er for eros in Greek. But bahonamai means my beloved person. And so that little uh, root word or that little prefix at the beginning of the word changed the texture of the word. Mm-hmm. And so from there I said, well, now if I have a root word and I have a prefix, I can have a suffix. And if I have prefix, root word and suffix, I can create a language. And so I created a language primer for the particular language of the country. Because in, in book in Reluctantly Royal, uh, my super smart scientist heroine has one thing she can't learn, and that's languages, because that's the one academic specialty her sister is good at. And so we have her struggle with the language. We have the prince find innovative ways to help her learn the language. And I had to have examples of that language to play with. And so I, I created a lexicon of uh, many parts of the language for that.
1: You
0: went full token there. I
2: did. And then <laughs> then I, I met this wonderful young friend, brand new. He happens to be a super talented musician. Hmm. And he wanted for fun to create. And he has created, but he hasn't finalized all the bits and pieces. But he created a national anthem for me. Oh my so goodness. I even... <laughs> national anthem for the fictional country with its language. Yeah. Um, so I... I do totally immerse myself in my worlds when I create them.
0: But you should. You should. You should be that passionate about your work because that's going to translate to your reader. And and I just I love that. That's the details that are really going to make the story feel real.
2: That That is certainly the hope. And um, according to some of the reviews that I've gotten from Read My Lips, I've gotten some people that really, uh, the details I chose to put in resonated with them and made it feel very real for them. Good. And then, of course, I got some reviews from people who are are not my readers and will never be my readers. And that's okay too. But the the ones where it it hit and it resonated are just I treasure those because it's it's wonderful that I was able to do what I set out to do.
0: Absolutely. But we should touch on that point, because a lot of readers don't or a lot of authors don't get that initially, that not all readers are your readers. Not everyone is going to like your book. And it doesn't right. necessarily mean your book is bad. You can take any of your favorite books, go look it up online. And I guarantee you, there's a whole slew of people who hated that book too.
2: And and think of it in terms of your favorite movies. When when I get a negative review from someone, my first thought is, well, the first thought is, ouch, that hurt, and you shouldn't do that. and You know, all the angsty private stuff. And then my brain settles down and I think, I bet you and I could never go to the movies together because I bet you wouldn't like the movies I like. And so you probably yeah. don't like a lot of things I like. And then you morph to there to go, you know, I thank you for giving me a try. And I understand that you are not my reader and I am not the person who will take you away from your troubles. And that's fine because there are millions of readers out there and I will find the ones who do. And, and when I look at movie um, reviews, I will look at the negative reviews sometimes and they'll say, Oh, it's too cheesy or too, too canned or too this. And I'll go, yeah, that's exactly what I want my entertainment. I'm going for it. So. That's true. It's so true. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Sometimes those negative reviews can just be funny too.
2: (laughs) So one of my favorites, let me share you one, one person started out and, and she said, well, I skimmed a lot and I didn't understand the motivations of any of these characters. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if you'd read it instead of skimmed, you would have understood it because I I really tried with this series. uh, I was trying to fit a full story into a short format and then later it was expanded because of advice from my agent and some other things. But um, as I tried to fit a full story into a short format, I tried to make every word, every phrase, every sentence count for something and have impact and not have any fat there. And um, so if you skim where there's no fat, you're you're not going to get You're not
1: going to pick up the story. Yeah. yeah it's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it
0: happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite one-star review I ever got, and it was for one of my vampire books. It was, okay. this sucks worse than vampires do.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, like, my beautiful. vampires suck good. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. I, I liked that one. Yeah. Jane, how about you? You gotta laugh over it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If you can laugh over it, it it doesn't affect you. But let it roll off of you and move on because not all readers are your readers.
1: Yeah, the only the only one star review that I that I remember is because it pissed me off because it it attacked personally, not not the school. That's not right. That's not right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um but you know. I, you know it, you know the the teenage book that I wrote uh, fire cursed okay. I think this is for teenagers. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's what the you know. I got yeah, a lower review and says this isn't for me, but I think it's for teenagers. I was like, duh. <laughs> yeah, <I'm both laughs> start for <you. laughs> that,
2: that is so funny. That is that is so funny how that works. It
0: always it, it always irks me when people pick up YA books and then complain that the characters are acting too young and immature. Yep if point. you're reading a book about kids in high school sweetheart what do you expect them to do oh yeah and and you know <laughs> the
1: love connections in in high school books are very way dramatic way yes. dramatic in high yes. school it's live yes. or die they don't have a middle ground at that point exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly so so oh yeah <laughs> i think this is for teenagers there you go that, See, that's you said... that's great <laughs> i love that one
2: so so um one of the ones on my, on my mystery series, I had the guys in the series order pizza, and I got this review, and it said, They ordered New York style pizza in Chicago. And oh. everybody in Chicago eats deep dish pizza. Everybody knows that. The author needs to do a research on this. Stereotypically, yes. <laughs> and so, having lived in the Chicago suburbs for almost 20 years, I immediately wrote to my writing group back there, and I shared this review, and I said, Clearly, I have to come visit you. Things have changed. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, um, one of the people had said something. They said, well, this woman is rather naive about business. And I thought, it, so I quoted that actually when I wrote about the importance of research in books for mm-hmm. um, the Romance Bloke blog. And I said, it's it's interesting because you can do as much research as you can. But if it doesn't mesh with the life experience of your reader, it doesn't count. So Mm -hmm. I've worked for major corporations for the past 30 years of my professional career. Mm -hmm. And what I wrote was within the realms of what I had seen in those industries. And yet for the person who thought I was naive, it didn't mesh with her life experience. And so when it comes down to that, for all the new authors out there, the reader wins. They're the final arbiter. They win. For her, I don't know what I'm talking about. And for some dear, lovely person out there, everybody eats New York or eats deep dish pizza in Chicago. So um, <laughs> the stereotype holds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yep. and, and that's okay. And that's back to, if they're your reader, they don't worry about that. If they're not your reader, it's okay.
0: But research is very important. And, and a lot of authors do skip over researching things that could simply, you know, be, be fixed with just five minutes. Five mm-hmm. minutes of looking something up and you could fix things. Right. And I've I've dealt with that in my client side work where I've been going over books that it's very clear the author was just lost in fantasy and writing from that point of view, but didn't stop to actually add in the real life elements that relate well, and, to their story.
2: And, and let's yes. let's twist that a little bit because you mentioned vampire books that you were writing. Mm-hmm. Even in a universe that has high fantasy or paranormal or non uh real world elements you still have to do your research
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you have to be consistent with what you create in that world um so you don't get away from that just because you're making up your own world and yeah. too many newer authors think that that gives you a free pass to do anything you want with the world
1: no you have you, your rules have to be yes consistent through, yes. throughout the series you know you can't start here and then change it up because you want to, or it makes it easier.
2: <laughs> and that's problematic with a long running series. If you haven't put the forethought into it and younger in the process, writers haven't always yet learned that. Mm-hmm. And so they end up backing themselves into corners in, you know, if they get picked up and it gets to be a really uh, hot book, you may be in a corner that you have to do a lot of tap dancing to get out of. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I call my and brainstorming many, friend when I painted myself in a corner. She helps me out. I was about to
0: say, how many of us have written a magic system or a rule for a character and then two books in, you're like, damn it. They can't do that. <gasps> and you yeah. have to figure out a new way around it because you can't disappoint the readers. You've set right. systems of rules and law and order in place. You can't break it. for. And, and when you break your
2: own rules, you break your compact with your reader that you're going to entertain them and you're going to do it in a certain way. Right. Right. Um, It's like, uh, it would be a a romance novel, which has to have a happy ending, having a tragic ending Mm -hmm. and being sold as a romance, Nicholas Sparks, um, that disappoints readers and they don't want to go back to it Mm -hmm. because you've broken the promise. Um, It would be a Star Trek movie where a guy not wearing a red shirt died. (laughs) You you can't do that, that's not fair, you promised us.
1: Yes. So yeah. yeah.
0: But it's true. And and those it, rules and that you create I mean, yeah. do cause problems and, and you find them down the road and it really makes you do some mental acrobatics to figure out how
2: to fix them. And and yet once you do that and once you fix it, don't you feel really good about yourself about how cleverly you worked your way out of that dark corner? Yes. Absolutely. Somebody in yeah. comments said red shirts must die. <laughs> yeah. Thank <Yep>. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Anita. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you have expectations, you must follow through with expectations.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I made the mistake of, of in the beginning, tagging my first series as, you know, um, horror romance. It was not romance because there was not, half a, you know, that. <laughs> yeah. ha- and, and I was too new to understand that. Sure. Now, now I have it tagged right. <laughs> yeah, the genre
2: conventions when you switch them up, the uh, yeah. and and I see now. Talk about how things changed, and we have talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of blending of genres and subgenres now that gets really intricate, and so um, those rules keep changing and keep morphing and. Um, you still want the happily ever after, but how you get there can change. And and the ways that you blend that might might change a lot. So it's really right. quite interesting.
1: And even yep. in the series and romance, the end, end of each of the books has to be happy for now. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. right. It, it, you right. Know, it
1: doesn't have to be happily ever after. That's a hard lesson to
2: learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah each thing wraps up and they're happy but then there's a character in a series arc that can carry over and hopefully your readers want to see their old friends from books one through three so um one of the early reviews also on this so that the title of this is riches and royals because i have my billionaires and my princes yeah and and in a book one somebody was reading and she goes okay lose the prince i don't like him i mean he made (laughs) a, a a cameo appearance yeah and she didn't like him and i said well Too bad. Don't pick up the next book, please. You'll be disappointed.
1: (laughs) You
0: are not my reader. (laughs) You are not my reader.
1: Yes. (laughs) Thank you for
0: playing. Oh, and writing series, yeah, you invest so much time into them. You, You want everyone to love the books. You want everyone to love the characters. And there's always that worry with each one that comes out. I like this one enough. Did I do enough? Did I up the stakes mm-hmm. enough? My God, I hope I don't disappoint my readers. There's always that stress because well, it, it, you have to keep going forward. It has to keep getting better with each one. Mm-hmm. And
2: you have to do certain things where you have to compress what would happen in real life to in a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, it always frustrated me in in books or movies where I felt characters fell in love within three days and a week later were married. Mm-hmm. And so I stuck some little things in there like, several weeks later, this happened or whatever, because in my mind, I want my story to take place over a a longer period of time. Um, And yet, uh, again, I had a a reader ding me on things happening too fast for her. So I buried those long periods of times a little bit deeper than necessary for that. But we have to compress real life into a a workable timeframe. So there's always that too. Um, I, I don't typically read stories that have uh, a science theme, like a science fiction, serious science something, something. Mm-hmm. I, if it's Star Trek and we're like three millennia away or a couple centuries away or something, I can do it. But most um, close to our time frame science stories bother me because that's my real life, mm-hmm. and I'm too close to that for that to become a reasonable fantasy element for me. Okay, fair enough. And, and yeah. I think that that's true of anyone. So um my husband was a professional baker before he retired Mm -hmm. if uh um, in a cozy mystery book or a romance somebody decides that she's going to go off and start a bakery i have a lot of technical troubles with that because i understand Mm -hmm. the intricacies of what goes on behind the scenes that don't usually make it to the screen and so i pick and choose my fantasies for reading or my escape routes to not have triggers for me and and i don't mean Big scary triggers, but triggers that hit my real life that that could tip things into a, a take you take you
1: completely out of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, if <laughs> if if a character suddenly patents this brilliant idea and in a month the patent is out, it's like that is so not real. I can't read anymore, no. or I have to edit that part <laughs> out of myself and say three and a half years yeah. later yeah. and forty two revisions. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just a matter of where your, your life expectations are versus the, the yeah. world that the author is creating for you to enter into and yeah. whether you can suspend disbelief in that case. That's
0: why I right. can't write romance, like straight romance. I can write erotica.
2: Uh-huh. And I can
0: write urban fantasy. I cannot write just romance because I don't do the love at first sight. I Even in my what? series, if there is a romantic element, it takes like four or five books before it's acted mm-hmm. on.
2: Sure. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a different kind of reader experiment. Now, now me, give me a Hallmark Christmas movie. How silly. I, I love it. You know, if mm-hmm. it, it, bonus points, if it has to do with Santa's real and you fell in love with him or his granddaughter, or I don't know what, you know, <laughs> I have fun with that fictional kingdoms. Only thing I don't like about fictional kingdoms is they all speak with a British accent. Yes. <laughs> when, when, fingers crossed, mine become movies. I, I hope I have the editorial input to say no British accent. You have to have an authentic Greek Caribbean accent. Yep. <laughs> or something, something.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? I think they probably focused grouped it and they said the British accent's the most uh, acceptable for, for yeah, people they will foreign they will. but not foreign so they can still be relatable. Gotta be yeah, and I'll change right.
2: the whole way to the bank if that happens. <laughs> It'll be—I'll live with it, but I'll try my damnedest not.
0: <laughs> uh, yep, yep. I, I'm the same way. If somebody wants to turn my books into a movie, I would hope that I get some creative input on that. But otherwise cash them a check. See you later. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
2: Because the books are still out there for people who want them in the original context.
0: And, and, you know, honestly, that's led me to reading books because I'll watch something and I know it's based on a book and I'll go, but was the book better? Of course. And there you go. Now, now I've got to read the book and I can compare them. Yep.
2: (laughs) It's a completely different experience because no matter how well a movie is done or uh, any, um, Screen type thing, so it could be a TV series. What you can't get into the character's head in the same way as you can in a book. Unless you you're can't you experience the world from their viewpoint <laughs> yep. in the same way.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so we're kind of like magicians or or wizards of the real world because we can use that magic spell of point of view and we can put somebody into the shoes of another character. Mm-hmm. And that is is a true form of
0: magic. It's magical. It is. It is, absolutely. Anita says, I found quite a few good books through movies. All right. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same thing. You watch the movie and you go, this is based on a book? Hold on. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and you enjoy too. two
2: different experiences from it. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And and of course, every writer out there, if you find a movie or a TV series and you don't like the ending, what do we do? Uh, fix it yourself. We, we rewrite it in our heads <laughs> and fix it
1: ourselves. Yes, we fix it in our
0: heads. <laughs> that didn't happen this did yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah not, not and i love we'll having that power David to turn
2: eight. turn the world into what should happen instead of what does happen yes
0: mm-hmm. all yeah, right yeah, well we are just about at our hour um yeah. let's real quick before we go tell everyone where they can find your books and find you online
2: okay so the best place to go would be straight to my website www.kelly and that's k-e-l-l-e z riley r-i-l-e-y dot net and once you're there you choose what's your jam if it's the mystery or the romance you can go into a a section that goes straight for them and there are links to all major places to find my book there Uh, you can ask for it at any major retailer just take the ISBN number in uh or click any of those links and go ahead and order even this, this made me feel like a real author at target yes target.com Ooh,
0: nice oh you know you've made it when you're in target
2: i know i mean how much big time can you get it was so cool <laughs> I love that. and for
0: those of you who are watching or catching this later we will put the link in the show notes below so don't worry if you miss it or if you are going wait how do you spell that again it'll be in the show notes below don't worry
2: and, and hopefully I will be back to share more stories when the next one comes out, because um, I love you guys. I love your audience. It's so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd
1: love to have you back. Absolutely. All right, Jane, what do you got going on now? Um, Actually it's October now. So, so the devil's offer comes out this month later this month. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Um, and then uh, the next book I have is in December, the third book in the, Uh, dragon
2: series
1: oh my goodness you are always so dang busy yes i think
0: i have the dragons (laughs) up here hold on hold on i have the dragons there we go yep
2: (laughs) i love those covers awesome those are dragon storm came out last month so for those waiting the other
1: ones coming in december
0: you are constantly putting books out one after the other after the other i mean you write so ridiculously fast i don't know how you do it with the day job too yeah
2: <laughs> it, well, it's always good to have a new series that i can dive into because as soon as i finish the current series i'm going to need to find something else well actually <laughs> i'm going to need to find nonfiction and write something and then reward myself with a new series so uh, keep writing them keep writing them jane and all
1: thanks and then and then i have you know the fractured fairy tales um my that one will jasmine which is and Aladdin retelling is coming out. Um, it'll be in a, a box set next year. So I'll, I'll have the, the timeframe for it. It's done, but you won't see Of course see it it's done because year. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're smart authors have
2: three or four books done before they start releasing them. <laughs>
1: All Shh, right. Don't tell
2: I just the non Kelly, I just roll them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. I want to be you when I grow up she's fast
0: she's so fast
2: i can't believe wow i am in awe
0: all right so thank you again for hanging out with us this week
2: it was wonderful catching
0: up with you i think the book the books look beautiful i can't wait to hear how well they do in the market Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and uh, definitely get in touch with us on the next release let us know how things are going and we'll get you back on the show
2: all right sounds like a plan
0: And for everyone else out there, thank you again for hanging out with us. We will be back soon with some more authors to introduce you to. Until then, enjoy reading.
2: Bye.
1: Bye.